0: For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bike clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
0: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 435. That's not just an arbitrary number. We've done 435 podcasts that we've put out. That's a lot of podcasts. More that are coming down the pipeline. Ooh. Damn! It's crazy! We should celebrate it by ending Marvel Week. What? This would be a perfect episode I'm just a feeling I'd... To wrap up Marvel week, episode number 435 But before we get to that, I'm performing tonight, November 8th At the Carolina Theater in Durham, North Carolina I know a lot of people don't listen right when the podcast comes out But if you do, and you happen to be in North Carolina, I'll come on out That
1: you know, might even be crazier, people are waiting for you to come on on stage
0: Listening to this in the audience right now Oh, I should introduce myself Ladies and gentlemen Chris Hardwick Hey everybody stops crazy Run a commentary of yourself on stage Hashtag Doctor Who <laughs> um, But <laughs> uh, At Midnight's also on for another week For our initial run So hopefully we get to come back I don't know It seems to be doing well But uh, but you never know You never know what's going to happen So At Midnight's on Monday through Thursday After Colbert uh, On Comedy Central uh, the, the time is in the name Unless you were in the Central Time Zone, but we couldn't call it at eleven Central because that doesn't have a, good quite though. the you ring to it. Didn't call that version of the show like "Go to Hell, Central Time Zone." Though we may not. No. Well, angry, well, right? I, I'm it's a Central close. Time Zone child. I'm you know I'm from uh, Memphis, that's right, that's and so right. I, I have great affection for the hour earlier prime time right. setup. Um, but uh, this episode was brought to you by Shutterstock.com. Uh, Shutterstock is a place where you're going to find videos uh, for your next creative project, whether it's a you know, website or an advertisement or a multimedia presentation. You can choose from over 700,000 high-quality stock video clips, 2D animations, 3D motion graphics, they have pretty much any digital format you're going to need uh, and most of them come in HD as well. They're going to give you the assets you need to bring your creative projects to the next level. Um, it, you can search by category, you can search by clip, resolution, contributor. Uh, there's a there's a ton of different search strings that you can create to find the exact video assets that you're looking for. And then you save them to the clip box and you can access your selections anytime. And share them with other team members if you are uh, if you are uh, socially. Uh, can, I, can I access your clip box? E- e- not with that beard. <laughs> it's weird when you say. Can to I rub me my a, beard against your clip box? Yeah, you know. Again, I don't want you to have. Okay, I'm not giving. I'm not giving Kyle access to my clip box. You don't get to see what's in there, Kyle. Aww. But anyone else can create their own clip box if you want. <laughs> Don't give Kyle access to your clipbox. Ladies and um, gentlemen, if you would like access beard rubbing to your clipbox, please email beardclipboxrubber at gmail.com. Or just go find Kyle on Twitter. <laughs> What's your Twitter? At Kyle Clark is Rad. Oh, you are Kyle Clark is Rad. And you can send as many clipboxes as you want to that. I love yes. it. Yes, so to, to Kyle, tweet at him. Get rubbed. Clip clip, bo- clip box clipbox access approved. Yeah. Uh, so Shutterstock has also has amazing customer service. They have dedicated reps 24 hours uh, throughout the week. No credit card needed. Go to shutterstock.com, start an account, and uh, start to imagine what your next project is going to look like. Once you decide to purchase, use the offer code NERDIST11, and all new accounts will receive 30 percent off any package. Thanks so much, Shutterstock, for sponsoring this episode of Nerdist Podcast. Which, as Kyle previously said, and his beard said, is uh, uh, Kevin Feige wrapping up Marvel Week. This has been a really fun week. Clark Gregg was great, and uh, and Tom Hiddleston was uh, the most was dreaming. Man in the world. He really was. He really was. I saw. I went to the Thor premiere, which was a blast. Uh, and I sat, I sat in front of Rooker and then and Karen Gillen was right behind them. They just did James Gunn's movie. They just did Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which looks amazing. yeah just does. from the the little clip that you know just a little teaser. it was really just like a here 's a vibe cast. of the movie, yeah uh, that they showed at comic con so i'm I'm very very, very excited about that. I'm excited and about Ripped Chris Pratt. Ripped Chris Pratt is going to be in that movie. He was not there. Rip, rip, rip Chris Pratt or previous uh, Chris Pratt 1.0 was not there either. But um, uh, <laughs> Thor was a blast, and and Hiddleston I ran into him at the at the after party, and I was just for a quick was like oh thanks for doing the bad guys again today, and he stopped and again he's just so engaging and he talked and you know he kissed Chloe on the cheek and she was like he kissed me like it was like this <laughs> she got the vapors Hiddleston gave Chloe the vapors and I got to see Kevin Feige and give Kevin a a, a, high, a high five Feige. but. I gave him a high Feige, nice. uh, which, by the way, what Kevin Feige has done um, with this with this the cinematic Marvel universe is unprecedented, and it's genius and innovative, and uh, and he's a lovely guy, and uh, and we went out to Marvel. They just moved to the studio uh, to the Disney to the Disney lot in Burbank, and um, and and had a had a great chat which is uh, which you will hear right now and um, he actually does listen to the podcast which weirds me it's weird when people you respect are like oh i know the thing you do and you're like what you're not supposed to know what i do i'm supposed to know what you do that's pretty cool it is pretty also, cool also hello yeah <laughs> i like what you do uh fuck you do not give kyle access to your clip box please uh, sorry oh here we go it's going to be full of marvel stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> there might be ripped Chris Pratt in there. That's where he's hiding.
0: No! You ripped Chris Pratt. I think push-ups ripped Chris Pratt. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, here we go. Nerd's podcast number 435 with Kevin Feige. Woo! Go watch
1: Thor! Now entering Nerdist.com
2: My second
1: day in this office, you guys were in yeah, I got I, lost I, earlier today. Trying to find, I know it's like when I walked in, all the artwork was just leaning up against the walls. I was we like, just I moved in, with, in, just moved in. We just moved in. I used to come to this building a lot. I had a girlfriend that worked in this building, yeah. uh, she was like a music for Disney TV animation. Laura, right. oh, yeah, so I used to come in. It was weird, I haven't been back since, and that was like you know, four so years So Jonah's ago. gonna
0: start having some weird flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. yeah <laughs> he's like, still here.
1: Yeah, I still here. No, she they <laughs> moved, she was with Phineas and Ferb, and they all moved somewhere else. So I just want out of to, my life. I just want to say that
0: um, uh, the table, this table, is particularly sensitive. So, so if don't we, touch if we Hit the table. You don't, make it'll, it. it'll pick don't make fun of it. Yeah, don't make fun of the table. Don't make fun of the table. <laughs> don't make fun of the table. It's a nice table. It's, it's all right. Fun. I mean, you know, it's oh look, it's it's, it's sort of <laughs> 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 actually if you spin the t- if you flip the table over, it almost looks like an X Men logo. Starting
1: early. What? I'm
0: not starting anything. I'm just saying.
2: That's the, that's what I call desperation Easter egg hunting. <laughs>
0: But did you notice the table? Wait, did you see the <laughs> shadow? Okay. Come on, of, we have work to do. No, but look! If <laughs> you look, you're just trying to just trying to plant the Easter eggs all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Where you guys were in Huntington Beach or Manhattan, Manhattan Beach. Beach? Manhattan oh, Beach. Oh, really? Manhattan Beach.
2: Uh, yeah, at Raleigh Studios out there. Oh, okay. All right. Or it used, used to be called Raleigh, Raleigh Studios. The one that's on Bronson. Uh, it, it used to be related to the whole, yeah. The, okay. the, that that
0: company managed it. So I, was, yeah. I was talking to your, uh, to your assistant. She was like, "We just moved here two days ago into Burbank from Manhattan Beach." And I was like, "Oh my god, Manhattan Beach!" Which I guess is not that bad if you live over there. But if you don't live in Manhattan Beach, that is a trek. That's a trek. It is, but it's but Burbank is depends
2: where you live. It depends where you where live. Where do you live? In the Palisades. Then, oh, and from the this is much worse. Yeah, this yeah. Is way yeah worse. This is much worse. Would
1: you, uh, do you I, go up and around, or do you go through the city?
2: Uh, I'm learning... This is literally my second day coming okay. here, so it's I'm learning different ways. ways. You just gotta use ways. ways. Yeah. Not that's it. what everyone tells me. As a yeah. president of
0: Marvel Studios, don't you feel like Disney could construct like some type of pneumatic transport system underneath the ground? <laughs> if, if there was some sort of
2: singular rail system or a monorail of some type that could, <laughs> that could take you places,
1: I would love it. There's Which, a guy from uh, New Havensbrook that's bringing in the monorail. <laughs> New Haverbrook! New Haverbrook! Yes. Ogdenville! That's right! Um, I was just funny because I was just watching... As an adult, for the first time, who framed Roger Rabbit uh, last night? Dean and I uh, watched it, and it's funny how, like, it's like the first, like, one of the first, like, kind of lines of, like, piping in that movie is, um, it's like, hey, mister, don't you have a car? Why would I need a car? And I'm in Los Angeles. They have the best public transport in the country.
0: <laughs> and that's, they almost should have just turned to the camera and went, ah! Yeah, huh? exactly. But yeah.
1: stop your laughing.
0: Remember that, too. Roger Rabbit not only so holds up, but it's also, that must be an interesting case study for you because. When, again, will all of – I guess Wreck-It Ralph came pretty close, but yeah. will, when, again, will all of that – I all that different IP for this yep. company be allowed to yep. – do you just sort of salivate when you see that? How did they get – oh, my God. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I remember <clears throat>
2: reading my Starlog magazine and all this stuff when I was a kid to learn about it and how Roger Robert was such an insane uh, production and – uh, uh, Eddie Valiant almost went crazy because he was acting to nothing because it was right. Everything was added later. But that's the way every movie's made now. Now, yeah. yeah every single that's movie. True. Or at least every movie like this. I hadn't even know. thought about
0: that. It's just like, yeah, that must have been all, that was all green screen. Yeah, I mean, they had the sets were
2: elevated and they had puppeteers with, you know, cigars uh, just floating on rods that they were acting with.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of funny stuff too where, you know, it's like, where, like uh, when Roger Rabbit is in the barn, he takes a shot. Uh, While well, yes. uh, Judge Doom is so holding him, and you just—it just all goes over his hand. <laughs> just the entire thing is on his hand. Right. And there's a couple things where Bob Hoskins' eyes are just like. There's clearly like the tracking. I haven't
2: watched it. I haven't watched it recently. It's to, on to Netflix. It's watch. I, I, awesome. I,
1: yeah, it's neat too because like seeing it as a person that you know when you live a bit longer and you understand more of like what happened to L.A. and how L.A. got you know to where it is today. Like it's like it's like watching Chinatown. I know, or, but yeah, know? but just yeah, but just as an animation dork, just
0: watching and seeing like. Uh, Fleischer characters mixed with Warner and and not Warner Brothers characters in the way they do them now, like Warner Brothers characters in the way that Bob, Bob, that Bob Clampett drew them. Yep. Like, really, they really were so thorough and, uh, and and also, isn't it kind of funny as a side tangent to a side tangent? I guess a tangent really is automatically it's a side To thing. the side of that other tangent. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, well, this is a side tangent because it was yes. about. Look at look at the movie franchises that Christopher Lloyd was a part of. Oh yeah, I mean Back to the Future, Roger Rabbit, Adams Family, and then Piranha. Well, Angels in the
1: Outfield. Angels, Angels in,
0: in the Outfield. outfield. <laughs> <laughs> we have to bring it. We have to. We have to bring him back.
1: Yeah, he's a. Uh, He's really good and completely <laughs>
2: crazy, it seems. He's great. He's, he's one of those. You know, we have a list of people like, wouldn't it be great to... Spader was on that list for a long time, and now he's finally he's he's in. Yeah, he's back. Lloyd is definitely one of those. Being, I mean, Back to the Future is one of the formative experiences of my childhood. Yeah. Love those movies.
0: It's, I love all three of them. I'll defend all three of them. Not Two was a little rocky for me because it was so much... Retro exposition. It, it, blew, it blew my mind.
2: <laughs> it blew my mind. They're going back into the movie. So when I watch that movie, I know that Marty's behind the stage, crawling on top. Yeah. I, I can't believe that, it. That, it changes that the first cool. movie. Uh,
1: for yeah,
0: you. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. When the third movie came out, uh, I was in college, and because uh, they did that thing where they released two and three within like six months of each other. Yeah, the, the, yeah. That yeah that was November crazy. and uh, like June. Yeah. I
1: remember like it was like you would finish two, and then the trailer for the next movie would come out. And I remember I'd never like that blew my mind. Well,
2: that – and that's – and on Captain America, the first Avenger, for those who sat through the credits, we had a a teaser for Avengers. That's right. And I used to go, you know, like Back to the Future 3. And people would go, "What?" Wow. <laughs> so would you say that that's where – I certainly – I certainly accepted that as an
0: idea. They did it right after the movie. We did it after the credits. But I, I thought that was cool. I remember going to see the third Back to the Future, and I took off class that day because they showed the trilogy. So it was at the Cinerama Dome. There was no – None of the rest of the theater, none of the arc light wasn't there yet. So yeah. it was just the dome. And um, sat, watched the first movie, and then the second movie, and then they premiered the third movie. I did the exact same thing on the <laughs> East Coast, but I was in high
2: school, so I had to cut high school. I had to, you know, I snuck out, went to Manhattan. And saw all three movies. Wow. And got a t shirt that I still have somewhere that says I saw the future back to back to back. Oh wow, that's fucking right. And I might have even wore my jeans inside out, I have to tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. That's what the cool kids are doing. In twenty
0: fifteen they will. When people would go, what are you, you doing? You mean in a year and a couple
1: months? Yeah. Now that's <laughs> <laughs> that's something else. Where are the hoverboards? Yeah, but thumbprint entry is gonna be a thing by then. I know it. Thumbprint. It's already started. It's, it's already, there. It's already is started. Is that the new one? It's already there. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I can't yep. wait to hydrate level four. I'm gonna make a good You're gonna pizza. hydrate the best pizzas. Yeah, yeah. Oh
0: God, they they really missed the boat on screen technology though like they yeah,
1: missed it. It was a projector.
0: Did, did screen. not see. Maybe. Never mind a fax still coming through. Yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get it all right. They yeah. missed the smartphone. <laughs> they People getting fired instead of laid off and jobs. <laughs> you know it's just they didn't really. <laughs> you know what they did see coming through? they did have the little headsets. You know like mm-hmm. oh, that's a call for you. Oh and they did have the the glasses. That's uh, was it that the Oculus Rift thing. Right. That was right. Uh, which I won't be able to do because it'll make me yeah. motion sick. Um, oh, back to the thing, though, we were talking about, though, with the, uh, the different, element, different characters in a movie from different franchises, uh, there was a thing I noticed watching it, because that, having that in mind of just, like, when you're a kid, you're just like, fucking Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse! Yeah. You know, that's your dream. But then there's a thing I noticed a couple times when there would be, like, a Warner Brothers and a Disney character in the same shot. You would see one first enter the screen before the other one, but the one that came in second would, t- would talk first. And, like, it happened with, uh, you would see Mickey Mouse first, Bugs Bunny would come in, Bugs Bunny would talk, and then Mickey Mouse would talk.
2: That was all, right? It was all contractual, right? Like, down yeah, to the and frame. That must
1: have been, we, we, me and, like, my wife well, were going.
2: It was. Like I mean, that's why, and that's why the Daffy Duck, Bugs, uh, uh, um, Donald, Donald Duck. Duck, Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah. Or whatever it was called. The, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah, Hungarian yeah. Rhapsody. I yeah. guess it wasn't the, uh... oh, that <laughs> queen version.
1: That, that would have been pretty amazing. amazing. Uh, Make it but that's why. They go, well, yeah. oh, they
2: gotta have the exact amount of screen time.
1: Yeah, and then at the very end, it's uh, Porky Pig. He's like, and he's like, hey, get out of here. That's all, folks. And he's like, I like the sound. He turns on, uh, that's all, folks. And then he has the last word, but then Tinkerbell flies in. I forgot. And that. You're the, you see Tinkerbell last. <laughs> right. You know, that's just like tons of lawyers like looking at the minutes in the frames. The fact it's that they true. were
0: even able to agree on all of that. Is insane Mr. Spielberg, no I think, gets all the credit for that. Does he get he the credit for He was the one who made
2: those, who made
0: all those.
1: People, balls. people, yes. please! <laughs> He's just like a Lincoln. Let some mechas talk.
0: <laughs> we'll have Porky then, Tinkerbell. Uh, <laughs> You're uh, <a>
2: genius! <laughs> I'm very excited to be here, guys. I think this. I listen to the podcast quite often.
0: Oh wow! And That's this
2: right. is the point in the podcast where people usually go. So when do we start? Are we recording yet? Yeah. <laughs> when do we start? Yeah. So when oh, we, we start? have been recording. What's oh, yeah, very casual
0: or yes, yes,
2: yeah, or get out. But it's it's great, and even as I was walking down the hallway and heard you guys talking before I walked in, I was like, "Oh, my my podcast is playing." The
0: podcast is mm-hmm. playing live. We're man. just going to do them all here for you. Yeah, that'd man. be wonderful. Yeah, because when I I did the um, thank you for letting me moderate the thank you for moderating the panel at yes. uh, Comic Con, but when I saw you before and we did the rehear like the sort of the the rehearsing the beats, yes. this is going to happen, and um, you mentioned that you listened to the podcast, and I was like,
1: "What?"
0: You know, I mean, it was it really sort of I, I don't know, I mean. The, Obviously, I know that people listen to the podcast, but to us, it's still just a thing that we do to screw around. Sure, yeah. And so when people are like,
1: "Oh," and, th- and then you
0: had this person and
1: talked about yeah. this, it's still because this. it's yeah. like, this. Like this is as far as we know about it. Yes, it's just in a room with another person.
0: But when someone like you, who actually uh, who also makes stuff that we enjoy, like that's always the part that kind of melts our brains. Like, how do you have time to listen to our podcast?
2: Uh, well. Podcasts are very convenient. You put them on your phone, and then in your car, you can listen <laughs> yeah, to them. and Now you have
1: a lot of time to listen to them. That's true.
2: That's <laughs> true. <laughs> by the way, it's the only it's reason incorrect. I was like, well, at least I'll be able to listen to more uh, podcasts on my commute. <laughs> uh, but it's really good, and, and it's uh, uh, whether it's people I haven't heard of, which sometimes you have on. Yeah. You, you sort of tapped into a whole comedy thing that I'm not necessarily tapped into. Yeah. Uh, or Stanley, who I just listened to that thing you did the other day, mm-hmm. and I have to tell you something. It was one of the best I've heard. A lot of Stanley interviews, as you can imagine. It's one of the best ones. Oh my god. You I know why? Cuz I good. think they go on for a while. Yeah. You're in there for what you know an hour, There's You no, wear him down. Honestly. Yeah. So that so the I'm Stan Lee thing that we all know and love and whenever you meet him he never disappoints you, which is why he's so amazing cuz yeah. he's always that. But you guys kept going that you started hearing stories you don't usually hear, Yeah, you do, you which was actu- I actually actually amazing.
1: Because, yeah, because you were uh, that was a second time. Yeah. You had met him. So I think there was a bit of more. He didn't remember me though. Ah, he's old.
0: I mean, he didn't remember he didn't remember <laughs> the I mean he had remembered um that we had met, but he didn't remember well, I think he does a billion trillion so interviews every day him. yeah yeah, but um yeah i I just figured I just thought like oh, if I keep talking to him sooner or later, I'm gonna hit something where the you know the generalissimo walls are gonna come down a little bit, and he's gonna be right and and he did, and it was. Like he he had to go, but as soon as we hit the part about radio comedy, it was great. It was like oh, and Jack Benny had this bit. Like just listening to him go on was.
2: And I've never really heard that. You know, I, I've never necessarily have time, and he certainly has less time than I do to go to dinner and talk for four hours. So you know, my only interaction with him were premieres or or uh, cameos, oh, yeah. wow. and then it's all just at that heightened Stanley
0: mm-hmm. Stan the man level. Uh, so I loved hearing those old those old stories. But isn't it interesting that you know um, Stan kind of comes from this uh, sort of uh, P.T. Barnum kind of, and you are, who are. In a very similar position, right. you're you know you're a regular guy, and you're like oh if someone talks to you it's like oh you answer them nor- you know like there's no there's no heightened Kevin Feige no character. no maybe we can develop one together <laughs> let's
1: work on a workshop of stuff
0: but the shtick that I found that works
2: as you are, have been a big part of is get onto that stage at Comic Con start talking and then cut myself off as soon as possible and have something more interesting happen which is obviously what we did this year with
0: Loki and what we did last year when, when uh, Downey came from the back of the oh, hall you know when, um, when we did the rehearsal thing and, and, uh, and, and Hiddleston was there and, and he was like this is going to be really fun and I said I, I said I don't know if you really are <laughs> understand what's going to happen tomorrow but it's going to be fucking mind blowing to you and he was like oh no I'm sure it'll be great there's a moment with the video that's, oh, that's online. Great. And there's an angle that you can see of Tom's face when he comes out and says, like, you know, whatever he says, people of Earth or humans or whatever it is, is he says, and they're like, <sighs> like, the room rattles, <laughs> and he can't, this smile, <laughs> he can't stop it from happening, and it's not in character. It's great. But he incorporates it. very endearing. It. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. But you can see that he's just like, oh, shit. Because yeah. there's nothing can prepare you for the energy of Hall H it's when it's great. firing on all cylinders it's pretty great and to be a part of that and be and to be able to share you know even just bringing Joss on at the end that was amazing like Joss could have just said hey guys I'm having a sandwich and people would have <laughs> shit their yeah. pants that's all, that was the original idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh you're I guess something uh, better
0: come up with a name yeah. for this yeah. movie is it going to be a
1: good them. sandwich like a good sandwich
0: <laughs> is it going to be like Age of Ultron sandwich sandwich <laughs> <laughs> Age of Ultron. <laughs> um, so when you're putting together uh, a panel for, you know, like what's sort of your, what's your philosophy and what do you, you know, what do you feel is important? What makes a good panel for you?
2: Well, uh, I've always believed that it's the footage, that that's all anyone ultimately cares about in that uh, in that hall, is having great footage. So we spent, so, you know, we're scheduling, Edgar is in a couple of hallways down in our new offices here with Joe Wright working on Ant-Man, We've officially started uh Pre-production. He, I think he even tweeted something to that, to that extent. Um, and as we start looking at what the schedule could be, one of the first questions is, well, what moments would we want in the Comic-Con reel? Mm-hmm. And schedule those up front or at least get them, if they're all CG, get them in the pipeline quickly. So you can do things like have the Mandarin blow up Tony's house in the Comic-Con footage a year before the movie comes out. That's because we put that in the pipeline early. They're difficult shots. We want them to be great in the final movie. But if we start them, you know, five, six months ahead, we can have something ready. If you actually were to go back and look at the Comic-Con clip and look at the final clip, they've evolved, but they feel real enough That's crazy. So even
1: when you're in production on a movie that, like, is crazy enough, you have to step back and go, well, wait, let's shoot this part first. Totally. Because of... That's where the 100 right comes in. 100 right, crazy. Because it's like there's enough to worry about just making a movie of that fucking size.
2: But look, going back to when uh, when uh, Favreau you know walked out uh, and surprised the crowd in uh, whatever it was 2007, um, and we had footage for Iron Man. That's really what you know. We look at that moment as one of the key moments kicking off, you know, Marvel Studio as as its own entity and as our own thing. So Comic Con is always a huge, huge part of of the campaign, and oftentimes. Uh, that's the beginning R and D for the actual campaign for the actual trailer. I mean, I do. We, sometimes we do think we do things catered to the seven thousand people in that hall. But the odds are, if they love that, the general audience will love it yeah. too. You can get a little more inside baseball down there, uh, and you can have things like Peter Quill flick off the the audiences <laughs> that he does uh, in the Guardians reel this year. Um, I don't know that that will be in the mainstream trailer necessarily,
1: uh,
2: but it's like a big focus group almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's worked out well. And then, and then it's. How do you bring, you know, just the the panel out there? And it it is – more isn't necessarily better, which is why we decided on – and when you have somebody like Hiddleston who's up for that kind of thing and I knew, you know, would kill it in front of those people and was willing to put on the outfit, uh, it was great.
0: As a a moderator, I I like the the clip that it moves in that, you know, we had essentially an hour and I think five, four or five titles to get through. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's great about that is that, um, you know – You can have a giant, when you have like a giant cast and you have an hour to fill, it's like, you know, the panel's long, people, like the the table of people's long, they can't all hear each other. It's like you're sort of, you can sort of plod through it, but with, you know, when you have to get through, it's like everyone gets 15, 20 minutes. It's a great... yeah. Because, frankly, it's the footage and it's the fact that
2: the people are there. Yeah. That there's that, that, that person that I've seen on that screen is sitting up on that stage. Yeah. Even if they look tiny if you're at the back of the hall. Yeah. Everything past that is sort of gravy. So the actual Q&A and telling stories is, is a bonus, but you don't need a lot of it. Wow. And sometimes you have a great moment like Karen taking off her wig and throwing it into <laughs> the audience. <laughs> or Batista telling, you know, a legitimately heart, uh, uh, endearing story about how he was cast. Yeah. You know, that's stuff you can't. I'd love to say we can plan for everything and I produce it all beforehand, but those are the moments that are
0: that are nice. I did like the Karen. We talked about this in a at our podcast from Comic Con, but she threw a wig into the audience, and immediately was like, "I should probably get that back." <laughs> yeah, I'm like don't
1: throw
2: it to them. Well, yeah. by the way, and it speaks to the fans who are there that they brought it back. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: But how many hairs were missing? Come on, you know I mean, I saw them on eBay. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: Guardians is is uh, looks. I you know, James. Gun managed to cobble something together in no time. They'd only just started shooting. We had been shooting for
2: thirteen days, um, and that was the that was the footage. Now there were a couple of makeup tests that we shot on film that we included in that. There was a visual effects test that we included in that, and that and we had moved up in the schedule that uh, sort of Usual Suspects lineup mm-hmm. that was that was the framework for that piece to very early in the schedule
0: specifically so it would be ready for Comic Con. It looks what. I'm a huge fan of James's and I think um, Has he been on the podcast? Yeah, he's been on on a couple times I think Early on too
1: Yeah I just love that it's like it's he's for all intents and purposes he's he's kind of an indie director Yeah You know like he came up through Trauma, and then his all the movies he made are all pretty small you know and you know like not small like just like you know the his the focus of it is just very.
0: He's got the same thing that Ramy had going into Spider Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, That's no, sort of had some pretty big stuff before. That, he right? did, but he always had
0: that sensibility. There, yeah. there, there was always a very grounded sensibility to what he was doing, and 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 a, and a layer of, and just that. I think when you put like a funny guy, like when you put a guy that has humor behind an action movie, there's just something about it that just it, it just it covers all the bases. It's great, and then and
2: and James is the total package. So you have you know sometimes you have people who are really good at one thing, which is the thing we want, and then we sort of supply the rest of the spectacle and the size and the scope. James is great at, at all of it, and is really That's today's great. his last. I mean, this week is his last week. He finishes on Friday. Oh really? His, uh, his
1: yeah. Instagram pictures from where he's been staying in uh, in England has has been so gorgeous, <laughs> and it's just like it's just this like picturesque thing. And then he has a bunch of like pictures of him with all the animals. <laughs> like he yeah. had, like he just has the animals hanging out all the he's, time. He's got a bit of a Dr. Do Little thing. So though. so Guardians yeah. is
0: interesting. Did you feel Do you feel that did you feel that that tackling Guardians as a movie was going out on a limb a little bit uh for the for the like the the widespread audiences or what was sort? Of, I mean obviously you guys want to start some new uh series. Yeah. So the, what, I don't think it's going out on a limb any more than the first Iron Man was. That's true, and
2: frankly, it's it's less because the entire fate of the studio uh, hinged on on that. That in incredible Hulk. <laughs> How does that feel and by at the way. time. By the way, at the time, Incredible Hulk felt like the okay. That's the everybody knows the Hulk Hulk's. You know, popular character. It's this Iron Man thing that's the that's the risk.
0: When you when you okay, so let's back up even further. So when you when you were uh, when you guys were making Iron Man, did you really didn't know if it was gonna? I mean, you must have thought, you know, I think this movie is good, but you still felt like, but I don't know if anyone's gonna watch it. No, and if you look
2: at at movies that weren't called Spider Man uh, <laughs> uh, up until that point, Marvel movies that weren't Spider Man, um, you know, the high end was was. And a first movie, never mind a part two. But first movies were, you know, they'd done 150, 170 yeah. uh, at the domestic box office. Uh, so that's sort of what we were aiming for. It's got to be at least around that.
0: I guess that's true. And, and at the time, Iron Man wasn't really at the forefront of m- no, really Not anything. at all. In the in the Comic-Con
2: of 2006, I think it was, when we when we went up onto, it wasn't Hall H, it was in one of the, I don't know, 2,000-person ballrooms. And it was me. Ballroom 20. And it was, yeah, and it was uh, uh, Favreau talking about Iron Man, revealing, you know, we don't start for a while, but the one thing we can definitely tell you is the Mandarin will be the villain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
2: was the one thing we thought, at least we can tell Matt. That. That'll, that'll stay. We hadn't cast it yet. We hadn't done anything. Um, and then, obviously, that changed. Uh, and Louis Leterrier was up there. We were talking about The Incredible Hulk. And Edgar Wright was up there talking about Ant-Man. Ant-Man, Jeez. even back then. Yep, 2006. 2006. Really? Those were the three the three filmmakers we had up there to talk about what we thought would be sort of our first three and he, movies. And, and he, that was
1: like right after Sean, then right or right after. Soon Hot after right? Sean, yeah. 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 And and, he, and
0: it just sort of kept getting pushed, and he was like he wasn't happy with the script, and they kept working on well, it. Well, he and he yeah, and he
2: went into from Hot Fuzz to Scott Pilgrim to to World's End. Yeah. And we had a lot of things going on, so it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pressing. Yeah, and and everything will work out timing-wise. But at that point, I think it was—I don't remember who—LA Times or somebody—did a story uh, saying Marvel calls out the B team, like like Iron Man, and like we're really we don't have the big guns, so we have to try to make do with with the with the B team. And I remember thinking, I I don't think they're
0: the B team. Now, when yeah. those when those when those movies started to hit, <clears throat> did you pick up a pile of dog shit with that newspaper and kind of <laughs> nail it back to the LA Times? <laughs> oh. No, I, we like it. I you know we like being. <laughs>
2: And it doesn't necessarily apply so much, um, but we like being the underdog. We like expectations being exceeded. Low so that you can totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and with Avengers, that was not possible, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it was. Uh, it, that's a comfort zone. And going back to Guardians, it feels like a similar thing for us. People didn't know what Iron Man was. Certainly, some fans did, and and, and there were m- more people knew who Iron Man was than Guardians probably. But if you talk about the mass movie-going public, nobody knew yeah. who it was. Um, so we're very comfortable being back in that. You'll see. You know, let us. You don't need to
0: think much of it now. Wait until you see what, 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 what we have. Jonah started going to the gym after Chris Pratt took those
1: selfies. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. you know, like, the next, I was on a trip, eating like an asshole, and then, like, uh, I was just, you know, had heartburn in bed at a hotel, and then I see his Instagram picture, I was like, well, that's the end of that, because I always, like, I was like, ah, he's like a schlubby guy that got on TV, he, he's gonna be, a he's alright, and then all of a sudden <laughs> he ripped. ripped! Piece ripped. of shit! <laughs> yeah
2: it's uh, it's a full-time gig being in that kind of shape you yeah know what I mean yeah he,
1: uh, he's uh, working out twice a day and then he just
2: stopped drinking beer completely. Well, and I see what he eats and as a matter of fact, I won't on my iPhone I have a picture of his uh, uh, birthday cake which was presented to him uh, on the first or second day of filming in, uh, in June and it was a tray with
0: vegetables spelling out happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's what it was. It's you know, <laughs> it's not fun, but you know what is fun? Being in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, so, yeah, it's sort I'm of sure, worth it. I'm sure it was a blast. It's an okay trade-off. But um but y- you you've really been at the forefront of certainly the transformation of what we would call nerd culture to to mainstream pop culture since you you were involved back with X-Men and Spider-Man True. and 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 that was those are really the points where comic cons stopped becoming ju- they 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 were stopped being just like comic book conventions and really became like pop culture conventions like that was around the shift 2000, 2001 um, and you've 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 been there the whole time and witnessed the, the transformation uh, yeah i was certainly i was sort of in the uh, in the in the background on
2: the, for those first few years happily so um, fir- i think the first comic con i went to was in 2000 and actually 2000 because we didn't we didn't bring x-men one there but x-men one had come out in uh, whatever it was second or third week in july and then the comic con was the next weekend i think Mm -hmm. and we went down there and just wandered around and 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 uh, brian singer came down um because we weren't we didn't know how people would respond to the movie so i think brian was like i'm not gonna go down they're like who knows let's wait and see um and luckily it it, uh, it went over well so we didn't do anything official there but that was the first time i sort of just wandered around um, or I might have gone, maybe I, went, maybe I went a year before that And really just wandered around
1: Were you worried about Backlash? Just because this was like kind of like the first Sure, really sure,
2: fight. and that was the, you know the X-Men 1 was in production in 1999 um, Like September 99 to March 2000 For July 2000 release And it was the birth of In cool news And all of this sort of People on the internet are talking about what we're doing now yeah. um, And if you remember there was a Nobody would remember this. But there was a photo of Hugh in the Wolverine costume, stolen, Polaroid, stolen off of a wardrobe cart. And on movies, for continuity, after every scene, um, uh, a costume person or makeup person will just go, uh, hang yeah. on, sh- and just snap a photo under the fluorescent lights just to match, to make sure, okay, your collar was, left collar was up, right collar was down, to match it for the scenes. So they're not meant for public view. That was the first uh, picture that anybody had seen. So clearly it was a horrible picture. <laughs> so what wanted this black leather, and he looks, he's, he's too tall, and he looks terrible. And this was sort of learning to deal with, with, with all of this. And at some point I was sort of like, this is just the way it is. We have to embrace it. And I think, as a matter of fact, we read that story. I think I brought my laptop down and showed it to Brian um, when we were filming a scene of all the X-Men together in the X-Jet. And Brian came up with this line of Wolverine sort of being uncomfortable and making fun of the of the outfit and Cyclops, or somebody says, "What would you prefer, yellow spandex?" Yeah, oh, yeah that man. was directly because of the fan reaction wow. to that and to that. that polar I remember right. that
1: joke hitting hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always I remember when I first heard about uh, Hugh Jackman being uh, Wolverine. I, there was a little bit of me going. I really wish it was going to be Glenn Danzig. Oh, the Glenn Danzig! Yes, <laughs> I thought. It, I thought. Yes. It should, I thought it should have been like Bob Hoskins, like but, going back to yeah. you know, just like uh, uh, just said this,
0: like this, basically this little yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like hedgehog. Yeah, that's uh, true. True. yeah. You know but, um, but it really you know that you, you say the birth of Ain't It cool and all these, and this sort of what later became the- like the really the blogosphere, yeah, for sure, um and that was right around the same time of like people really kind of widely getting broadband, like where in, internet culture really started yep. to open up connections yep. got faster, people were putting video, like it was it was more because when you think about what. Superhero, like it, now, it's just so much a part of oh, the superhero. It's a genre, but at the time, it certainly had been a genre. But but you know, there weren't in the '90s. Like what you know, besides like Blade, I don't know. Like what what superhero what what superhero movies in the '90s really hit big? No, I mean it was the it was the
2: the continuation of the Batman franchise, and then leading to Batman and Robin, which of course underperformed.
1: You mean the deterioration of the Batman? That franchise. was correct. that was the direct
2: <laughs> uh, and. uh and I really do think it was the failure of that, the disappointment of that movie, that helped Brian be able to go. No, let's. I want to do it a little differently. Let's. It's not just about about you know uh, colored uh, lights in the background and as many villains as you can put in it. It, it. You know, it's focusing on on what it was. The movie didn't cost very much, and so Fox sort of believed that uh, that okay, this isn't. They had a few other movies that year that they thought would sort of their 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 big. Uh, uh, you know, big home runs. Um so X-Men was sort of able to just sort of get made. And it didn't cost that much and didn't uh I mean cost very little uh, uh, compared to things today. Um but that allowed Brian to focus on the characters and to start in a concentration camp. Yeah with a boy being pulled away from his from his parents. Yeah. Um which is we I mean, we remember I remember thinking, I don't know if that's gonna work. Or think it was awesome. But are, are the audience going to storm out at that point?
1: But it was it's funny that, you know, Batman Begins got a lot of the credit for bringing, like, you know, a darker tone to, like, comic book movies. And they were just essentially basing that off of what the Batman franchise had become. But I think, like, a lot of people kind of, like, forget that, like, exactly what you were saying, that X-Men started at a constant... You can't get darker than right. the fucking Holocaust. Right. Right. Well,
0: what's... But what's... But what's... I thought what was brilliant about it is that it actually, in... Um, uh, it humanized the superhero characters and didn't exactly. make them one-dimensional. It's like you totally, you totally understood why Magneto was doing what he was doing, that he wasn't Absolutely. just a villain, yeah. he was an asshole. It was like, "I'm going to make their problem I'm going to make our problem their problem so that we won't be so that this will never happen again. An actual character,
1: yeah. Or, or,
2: or uh, meeting uh, Wolverine for the first time in that bar when he was doing the boxing brawl, which was an idea that Brian had over the Christmas break. That was not in the script. Again, we started, I think, <laughs> in September. Until March, and it was Christmas break, the hiatus that that idea came up, and it was great. And something I love is when he's in the car with Rogue, and and she looks at his hands and says, "Does it hurt every, every time?" That yeah. we were like, "Yes, because he's real, and because yes. it's you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's, what happened. What happened. Yes. that's what would happen. if you had claws in your hands. Absolutely, head and it came out. So, what did you what did you learn from those movies, and and what you know, when you when did you start to realize like? oh, I think this is actually a movement that's happening now as opposed to just a bunch of movies that were being made. I never looked at it as a movement or any sort of
2: conscious effort. It was, you know, I was 27 or something when uh, when uh, my boss at the time, Lauren Shuler Donner, who's producer on the X-Men films, said... He said because I had shown an interest in it, and I started doing notes on the scripts, even though nobody asked me. Um, <laughs> and she was gracious enough to read them and start inviting me to meetings and said, OK, go to Toronto and be an associate producer, no way. which is sort of the low, low man on the, on the producerial but that's great. totem pole. Well, it was great because I was up there the whole time and got along with, uh, with Brian Singer and Tom DeSanto and David Hayter and sort of the, the brain trust at that time of that, of that first film. Um, and it was an amazing, and Ralph Winter, who was producing it was an amazing experience up there. Uh, so to me, it was always like, that was really fun. I really am proud of this. I want to do it again. Oh, it's X-Men 2, I figured would be the next thing. It ended up being uh, Spider-Man because Rod, who I got to know very well while doing X-Men 1, said, hey, do you want to come out here and do for sort of all these movies what you did for X-Men? I said, yes. (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, So to me, it was always just, I hope this one works so we can make another one. And it still is like that today. I hope this works so so we can do another one. And we don't spend a lot of time talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We spend all the time thinking about part one knowing that if that works, then we'll be lucky enough to, to go do another one. Yeah, But but that experience through the X-Men films and the Spider-Man films, and then you get into the Fantastic Four films and the Daredevil films and Elektra, and you start to realize, all of which made money, which allowed Marvel to have the clout to get enough financing to do it ourselves. But you also start to realize sort of why creatively we wanted to now do it ourselves. Yeah, uh, And say, we think, you know, very proud of, of some of those movies, less proud of other of those films um, <laughs> and, 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 and being very excited to have all of the blame on our shoulders. Exactly. So in other words, if there was a part of a movie that people didn't like, oftentimes I'd go, I know we fought against it, but we, couldn't, we didn't have the power. And we were very excited to say, oh, if there's something you don't like, it's our fault. Right. Yeah. If if Iron Man hadn't worked because of X Y or Z, we'd say we thought X Y Z would work. We were wrong. Sorry. We were. Com- I was completely comfortable with that, and still am. Well, it's important. because at least it's coming from a place of, you know, we were going to try. We were going for something. We were trying something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as opposed to some decisions in the past are made on uh, who's the hot actor or actress on this show, or who's the or, or pe- this movie just did well over the weekend here's a note on Monday morning to change your Uh, entire franchise to try to match more of that. We don't spend a lot of
0: time chasing things um, other than the idea that excites us. Well, you don't want the marketing department making your decisions. (laughs) And then you you feel, you know, like if you're a fan, you don't have to explain to your fans like, because it's terrible when you do it and then it doesn't work and you knew it wouldn't work, but you had to do it anyway. And you're like, shit, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, we, we sort
2: of vowed not to let that happen. And we were lucky in that, the first movie to come out with what we believed was our instincts on how we could how we could do this. There there were a lot of X Men uh, sorry uh, Iron Man scripts developed before what became the, the Iron Man movie, um, updating the origins and, and, and changing it to this or changing it to that. And one of the first things we said and, and Favreau said when he came in for a meeting was, "No, this is great. It shouldn't just update it's Afghanistan instead of Vietnam. He's in yeah. a convoy. He gets wounded. It's it's perfect." Um, and just staying true to those sort of things
1: and when you when you guys went with Favreau was that kind of in the same vein of like when you went with Sam Raimi like it's just like it's like this guy kind of he knows story he knows like he knows how to like yeah I mean
2: I, I wasn't I, I, hiring Sam was before before me uh, yeah. I think it was a great choice but I, I, I wasn't involved in it but seeing how that worked and worked yeah. very well and even Brian which I, again I didn't hire him but I was around for, for that yeah, process yeah you saw the
1: process of that yeah
2: it made sense hire people who are smart and are talented and are good at At something, uh, not just good at an effect shot or good at mounting a big spectacle. Most of our directors aren't good at that um, or or haven't shown yet or hadn't had the opportunity to show that they were good at that yet. Um, Shane Black, most recently on Iron Man 3, hadn't done a lot of that, but sitting in, as he was scripting sequences, I think Iron Man 3 action sequences are some of the most clever and inventive sequences we've ever had. And that came from he and Drew Pierce sitting down and writing it, having no idea how to execute it at all. Um, uh, And then we... You know, help I execute. think that's
1: always a good thing too. For you know, when uh, if you're you're just writing and then you, you don't know the technical aspects, so you don't know how hard something might be. Exactly. So you just go and you make the best thing you could, and then it, you know, then you have to hand it off to another guy who's like, "Fuck you!" you know? <laughs> <laughs> I this? can't make this. <laughs> uh, but it's like when you don't have any boundaries, you're know, like you're free to have your mind go and make something as like fresh and new. And that's
2: where we always start. Yeah. Now, then the budget comes in, and reality comes in. But frankly, there's so. A, our budgets are not small anymore, and VFX can do almost anything now. So you just got to figure out a way. It's not about, hey, can we pull this off? It's how can we pull this off in a way that feels real enough? Uh, And in the case of the Barrel of Monkey sequence in Iron Man
0: 3, it was throw 10 people out of a plane eight times a day for, for, for a week. <laughs> so, you know, and you don't have to say which ones, but kind of going back to the, the movies that you said over the years didn't really work. I think you and your audience can I, guess. I think we all know. I think you can guess.
2: I think we all know which ones we're talking but, for. And it also is saying that that when, when Marvel Studios got the, the uh, final, Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk were independent films, which people forget. We had a completion bond, which means it's an insurance company to make sure that, that you... Uh, Finish the movie because they don't trust you. You haven't necessarily had the experience to to finish and deliver movies. So, the insurance company, or maybe it's the financiers. I don't know. I'm not the business guy necessarily. Um, uh, we'll check it out. And that was how we thought we were going to make all of our movies. Uh, and Iron Man One was successful enough that they sort of paid off the financing, and then we just did <laughs> all ourselves. And then obviously the Disney uh, um, uh, bought us. So now it's we're not independent anymore.
0: But but it's, why but we operate. That but way. why doesn't. Um why doesn't a movie work? In your, in your estimation, when the ones that failed, what was it? it can, can you identify it into one or two points? Or well, just but, like, yeah, some things just don't work. I think there are a million reasons. But but what we sort of distilled it down to was a lack of confidence
2: in the underlying source material. And that that source material itself being the selling point, being the most interesting thing about it. Uh, so when you, know, you look at the casts of most of our movies, um, they're not... The hottest marquee star of the of the day. They are now in the sequels because, thankfully, if a movie works, Robert is the biggest star in the world now. Yeah. That was not the case at, at the time. Um, it's actually kind of a risky to put him in the movies. A- absolutely, yeah, and, and we had a with lot his, like
1: rebirth, pretty much.
2: Yeah, and we had a lot of discussions, and there were a lot of you know people, uh, uh, understandably, whose job it was to make sure that we uh, repay that money and don't uh, don't lose the rights to the characters, which I think is what would have happened if the movies didn't work. Um, uh, who were obviously going? I've heard of that person for one reason. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you go, no, never mind And that's one of the reasons we did a screen test. And Robert did, a, you know, a, a, as we expected, a spectacular job of which there was no question that that the that the risk became not hiring him as opposed to as opposed to hiring him. But but that's because we believed that the Marvel name and the Iron Man character would sell the movie. That's all you need to to sell the movie if we do our jobs right. Um, and that sometimes or at least used to not necessarily be the case, which is why you have people changing things or casting people that may or may not have been the best fit based on who the characters were in the books.
0: Yeah. Um well, it probably is when you kind of look back, it's sort of interesting that <laughs> the character of Robert Downey Jr., there was a little bit of crossover to Tony Stark. Like there was a Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like he had to play a monk. Right. You know, like he sort of played this that guy. Um and you know, I'm sure. I'm sure in his own life he overcame much darker obstacles. But still, that idea that there was a little, there was something a little dirty behind him, sort of like it really yeah. kind of helped the character.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wouldn't say that was the primary reason. We just knew he was engaging, and that we wanted Tony Stark. Tony Stark is kind of a prick, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of rides that line, and Downey is very, very good at. at riding that line and maintaining his likability. Still being likable, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. he had
1: to for most of his life, just being like a, like a crazy alcoholic, but still like charming people and giving them mm-hmm. work.
2: Well, and that's, and that's why it's very different than, you, you know, you, uh, you look at certain celebrity scandals and it's very hard to come back from because it involved other people or hurting or insulting other people. Robert, that was never the case. It was always a self-destructive thing that yeah. people thought, oh, this guy's so talented. Um, you, you know, talking about the likability factor... Uh, one of, the, one of the, maybe the first idea that, that I remember Favreau having in an early meeting was to start the movie with the convoy attack on, uh, on Tony Stark and then go back and see how he got to that point and then jump up to real time and continue the movie. And that's the way it is. You remember he's, he's, uh, he's attacked in that convoy. He's charming for a few lines, which he mentions MySpace, which has already dated <laughs> us.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
2: And, uh, and he gets blown up. And I remember loving, loving... The notion, which evolved a little bit later, of going from the hero of the movie bleeding, tied to a chair, scared shitless, and then slamming to our title.
1: Oh, nice! Like, yeah, how, yeah. like
2: you've never seen that before. So I thought it was cool.
1: Yeah. Um, but
2: we got some notes. We we were in a position then and now that we don't necessarily have to take a lot of outside notes, if any. But I always want to hear them because I I don't go no, we're smarter than everyone. I always want to hear the notes. And we got a few people saying, hey, you know, you should try a linear structure. And John was like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And I thought, we probably don't need to do that. But I asked an assistant editor to cut it like that so I could watch the first act as if it were linear, which is, to say, starting in Vegas yep. and then continuing. And after about 10 minutes, I said, no, turn it off. Turn it off. The genius of, of the way Favreau wanted to do that was you are immediately – Empathize with this guy, yeah. who you know is going to be dying, tied to a chair. So when he's a jackass in Vegas, and to the Leslie Bibb character, and to Gwyneth, uh, to a lesser extent, in that early sequence, you tolerate it because you know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. But bef- but if you don't, it sort of was too far in the other. Then he's just a hell of good. He's blown
1: up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how involved are you with, um, you know, with a project when you guys take it on? Are you uh, how, how involved are you versus? How much? How do you know when to trust the director and go? Okay,
2: you. you, you well, know what we're, we're we're very involved and on and on each of the. Uh, there's uh, our co-president Ludi Esposito. There's each of our executive producers: Jeremy Latcham, in the case of Iron Man One, Iron Man Two, Avengers. Is doing Guardians and Avengers Two now. Or Stephen Broussard, who did Incredible Hulk and Captain America and uh, Iron Man Three. Craig Kyle on the on the uh, Thor movies. Um, uh, so they're always there every day of production, every day of the entire movie from from before we've hired any writers or directors through to the premiere of the, premiere of the movie. So we're very involved every, every single day. I tend to be more involved in the development and uh, pre-production, sort of making sure all the ducks are in a row, Then less involved in production itself, mainly because we usually have uh, multiple things going on, mm-hmm. and that's where we trust the director to, to, to do what they do on set and interact with the actors, and then in post we're there every day. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And post is where we're... Brian Singer used to say in my early uh, uh, experiences in the business that you make the movie three times. You make one movie in pre-production, you make another movie in production, and then you finally make another movie in post-production. Well, the movie you make in post-production is the movie the audience is going (laughs) to see. So that's that's my favorite time. And then I can be in a room with like four people in the dark all day instead of interacting with lots
0: of human beings in the daytime. (laughs) But again, you still have to... I mean, the, there is that element of – you still have to have a little bit of faith or trust in yourself. Like, Because you know, I feel like a lot of times I'll think something is an amazing idea and then execute it and then it turns out, oh, that was not a good idea right. at all. Right. How could I have ever thought that, that people would like that thing? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's you, – you need to have enough uh, confidence and support from other people to allow you to figure that out, to make those, to make those mistakes we make those mistakes all the time. We just try not to leave those mistakes in the final version <laughs> of the movie that goes out. But there are enough times that, and even stuff that I go, this is going to be dumb. This is going to be stupid. And a director sort of fights for it. And I go, okay. And it ends up being one of the greatest things in the whole movie. Right. So, so I've learned to sort of, and that's really, again, getting back to post. And that's why we, you know, there's a, we do a lot of additional photography on our movies by design. Um, and there's a handful of scenes that always get left on the cutting room floor because you don't know what's going to work or what's not going to work. Um, uh, and, you know, it's a luxury to sort of be able to, to go through that process. We build additional photography time into our initial schedule because we don't know what it will be, but we know it will be something. Every yeah. movie we've ever made has had between three days and 15, 20 days of additional photography, which, is, which we always say additional photography instead of reshoots because reshoots means uh, it didn't <laughs> yes. work, so you're yeah. doing it go again. Yeah. And, and maybe once in a while that happens, but, it, but traditionally it's just we have a new idea. Yeah. Or, or something was working really well. Better than we anticipated. Let's keep going down that road and see where that takes us. Oh, it could take us to this. Go shoot a new
0: scene. Was there something that you loved that you that you can think of from any of the films that you were like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and they shot it and it was awesome, and then in the movie for whatever reason it just didn't work, and you're and you kind of felt like, damn it, this was there anything that you think uh, of?
2: Again, most of that stuff does not end up in the final version of the movie. Yeah, uh, so we have a little, a little phrase uh, in editorial, which is, when in doubt, take it out. Just take it
1: out. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, even like a goofy line or a cheesy line that doesn't work, just take it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then the character, usually you can get through an expression, let the audience read into what the character is saying instead of leaving in. A, I just saw a movie I will not name on a plane coming back from London yesterday. And the line was so dumb that I thought just if they had just taken that out. Yeah. <laughs> because when you leave a line like that in, that, that, sh- that means we think this is cool.
0: Right. Yeah. We like this. It can do a lot of it can do a lot of damage to the surrounding minutes. Yeah, like yeah. backwards yeah. and forwards. Just, oh, what the? Oh, yeah, or
2: better, like, we have a, we have an editor we work with who says better to have sort of no joke at this period than a swing and a miss. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because there's a thing where you're watching a movie and you just go, oh, "What?" And then, you, and then you're thinking about it. for You the almost next feel a little minutes. betrayed. Right. You're, yeah. almost,
0: you're like, "You're right. not the thing yeah. I thought you yeah. were." Right. How could you do this to me? Why would you? Why and I'm matter? sure that
2: you know. I, I'm sure you can point to any of our movies and find stuff like that. You know, we, we can't, uh, or we or we like it, and the audience doesn't like it. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I, there are not many that end up in the movies that I can that I can point to like that. I guess the fight between Rhodey and Tony in Iron Man Two, um, I thought was going to be the greatest thing in the world. Two heroes bashing each other, and I think it's pretty cool. But I wouldn't say it was it was uh, uh, as you know, memorable is the barrel monkey sequence in Iron Man 3. Yeah, yeah. Which at first we were like, how's that going to look? Iron Man carrying 13 people? What is that? Uh, and uh, and I think it ended up very, very cool. Yeah,
1: it was very cool.
0: Why do you think the third of it, I mean, obviously, like, you know, trilogies are just accepted now. Like right. When we were growing up, a trilo- you know, I'm like, what? Yeah. And they go, like, oh, Godfather 2, okay, I get it. You know, Superman 2, okay. But then, but the idea of a trilogy, like now when you make a movie, it's like, okay, you're going to sign on for potentially these three movies. What is it about um, the third of a movie that is the most challenging? Because th- those are a lot of times those are the ones where you're like, oh well, yeah, it was all right, but you know, it wasn't. Is it because we're not surprised anymore? I think it, I don't know. I mean, you know, there had been somebody coined
2: online the term threequelitis, uh, <laughs> and and I would say there were a few of our movies, um, the Marvel movies, that you can look at as having threequelitis: Spider-Man Three, X-Men Three, and there are a million reasons for for all of that. Um, But I want to avoid that on on Iron Man 3. And I thought we had a a, a secret weapon, which was the Avengers coming between Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3. Never mind how successful the Avengers, we couldn't have predicted that. And you would be foolish to predict that level of success. But I thought it would be good because it would be a bit of a, a palate cleanser between Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 and allow you to... Not just go. Oh well, well. Here's here's the culmination of a trilogy. Right. And if we're culminating a trilogy, then these are the kind of things that have to happen when you culminate in a trilogy. Maybe it's the last one. Maybe it's this. We knew it wouldn't be the last one, and the fact that adventures it was really a part four uh, in a way. And if you look at, you know, some successful part fours, it's th- sometimes they're better than threes because they're liberated from the sense of a, of a completing a beginning, middle, and end, yeah. and they do. Let's go find whales in San Francisco 1986. Um, that's cool. <laughs> uh, uh, you we'll know? just uh, slingshot around the sun. Yeah. That should take us back yeah, in yeah. time just fine. Right, guys? Uh, uh, so, so we knew that, we had that, <laughs> that that could allow us to sort of uh, hit the reset button on, uh, on Tony. And we ended up obviously taking it right out of Avengers and, and his angst and his, uh, and his anxiety. And going with that, and then trying something different, and and putting Tony in a position that we hadn't uh, seen him uh, uh, in since the first act of Iron Man One. We used to say that Iron Man Three sort of returned to this. He's back in the cave. He's he's lost, his house is blown up. He's lost his suit doesn't work, and he's got to go use his ingenuity to to get out of a out of a situation. Great. And just treat it as a as sort of a character study. When you hire Shane Black, you hire
0: him to be clever and. Ingenious with sequences and do a sort of a character study. Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> one of the things that is uh, that has been essential in the uh, Kevin Feige world that we inhabit now is that it's sort of like what you said—that um, you're essentially creating these this universe that the movies are really just different touch points of the universe. It sort of operates the way that comic books operate. 100. Uh, that you're following these just these different perspectives. They're all actually. You're, they're, they're, you're on like the ninth or tenth, like you're all just different aspects of these characters, but all part of one unified
2: thing. Well, that was always the great, that was, it was always secondary, but it was always one of the most interesting things to me when we became Marvel Studios is, well, yes, we don't have the rights to Spider-Man or to X-Men or to Fantastic Four or at the time um, Daredevil and a few others, um, but look at all this that we have. And in that 2006 Comic-Con piece, somebody asked me about Adventures, and I said, well... And we had no firm plans at all at that point. Uh, but we have Iron Man, we have Hulk, we have Captain America, we have Thor. Put them together, who do you got? So, so it was always sort of the promise of what it could be, that A, we can make the movies the way we believe they should be made, and if they stink, it's our fault. Instead of going, I know it wasn't, I tried to convince them. Um, uh, and that someday we could... We could weave it in, which is, of course, what the, what the Sam Jackson was all about. At the end of Iron Man 1, saying you're the part of the big bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, that was us going, this could be really cool, and I hope audiences think it's cool. And thank, thankfully they did. But then people sometimes go, when did you first think to put them all together? I said, I didn't think of that. They, that's what the comics yeah, – was already there. I'm just replicating that. Well,
0: what yeah. the genius thing about it is that it allows you to – you know, when you feel like you've reached the end of some franchises is weave in, like, you know, can you tie in Ant-Man? Can you tie in... That they're all just a part of this thing that people are just, you know, all going down corridors of the same house. Um, And I hadn't thought about it before as far as threequelitis of like, oh, they're just... I mean, like, you know, how long had Sam Raimi been with... You know, he'd been with Spider-Man how many years at that point? Yeah. And it's sort of like by the third one... You know, what do you do? And so, yeah, you do that thing that that the Batman franchises suffer from, which is, in lieu of maybe having a way to make it fresh, just go, well, let's just bring in, like, four, four different storylines and just put it up there and just be done with it, right. you know? Right. Or why, in X3, does fucking... Why does Logan not... Why does he kill Phoenix? Why does he just... They're standing on a pile of mutant <laughs> cure. Why does he just pick it up and be like cut it out! And then she has no more crazy telekinetic powers and then she's just normal again. And then they can just kind of rekindle their, you know, <laughs> you know like, why did they... Okay, I'm sorry. I don't, That's not your problem. I don't know why I'm throwing that at your face. That would be... Like, uh, honest Trailers didn't exist back then. I guess
2: we, <laughs> but they could have done a heck of I'm not sure they'll go back and do that now, but
0: it'd be a good one. But But the idea that... You know, that it doesn't have to be like, oh, you don't have to conclude the story right now and make some grand point at the right. end. It's like, oh, this is now it's going to this chapter is going to pick up over here with these these other characters. A lot of that is is, uh, as you were saying, you know, the,
2: the notion of a trilogy it went from what's a trilogy. And then, of course, we all grew up and Star Wars was embedded in us. And, and it was, oh, that's a trilogy. And it culminates, and you defeat the Death Star, and then you celebrate with the Ewoks. That's what. It, that's how a trilogy. Uh, that's how a trilogy. <laughs> that's finishes. Every, yeah. Yeah. yeah, even that's if that's it's they the should. end of
1: any movie, the third movie. <laughs> now it we up,
2: dance with Ewoks.
1: And the that's right. Show up.
2: Um, and I love Jedi, and I will defend Ewoks uh, to the death. Frankly, love but it. but um, we, we, that's not what we were doing. We we were, you know, the comics have many, 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 many more stories to tell. So I think when you're liberated from that, it 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 frees you to just keep telling these stories. I hope I think.
0: Now when you're looking at all the different, uh, the other the other thing about you know if you're sort of following the idea of comics and the philosophy of comics is that, you know uh, the characters evolved and they're passed on to different writers and they have different powers and they have different points. I mean just the I, you know, it, it, just kind of even reading about Ant Man and like. Oh, Henry was Ant-Man, but he's also credited early on for creating Ultron. Sure. You know, like there's all these different ways that you could attack, and how do you know what to pick and which which one to follow? Well, it's interesting because now, you know,
2: I think we're we're in our 10th or 11th or 12th movie within this new MCU, Marvel sort of cinematic universe continuity, and it is approaching a time where we're saying, okay, well... In the comics, they had been doing certain things by this point, which is why they had this person do this thing. If we did that now, it wouldn't make any sense because you know we've done enough things that are unique in, in these other movies that we need to now start being true not just to the comic continuity, which, again, we've never been completely true to. That's always been the inspiration. But now we have to be true to our own continuity. So certainly in the case of Ultron... There are few characters in the franchise who would make sense to to have been involved in that in that creation, other than introducing a new character out of nowhere to come and do it. Um, and Edgar already has certain ideas and plans for those characters
0: going back to Comic Con two thousand six wow. that we wanted to maintain.
1: Yeah, that's the the, the
0: movie business to me. I mean, tell I always kind of bitch that television takes forever. We're sort of spoiled with internet stuff now. It's like, oh, I have an idea. Let's go make it. Okay, we shot it on Tuesday and it's up on Friday. Yeah. Uh, You know, this podcast, we could literally just walk out of here and post it immediately if if we wanted to. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, so I I look at uh, internet culture as like daily or monthly, whereas television is like a year, two years, film, three to ten years. Like the patience. How do you even know if you still like the thing by the time you make it? Well, that's why you've, it's got to be. You've got to really like it
2: <laughs> to keep your interest up for for that long. But it, you know, we have we have uh, it both ways, right? One is Ant Man has been been going on for seven, eight years. The other is the whole idea of of Avengers completing sort of Phase One like that. That was that was a three or four or five year journey. But then we also, you know shoot scenes right after the premiere and then put it in the you know the shawarma scene on, on Avengers we shot after the premiere. Um, so I got to see that. I got to see a crowd react to that two weeks after we shot it. Wow. Um, you know, the, the, And there have been a few cases like that where it's not a, immediate posted online, but it's not waiting three or four years. And that's in just talking about individual scenes or gags yeah. that we put in at the last minute. Wow.
0: Do you think audiences now... I, I, I sort of was feeling in the last year or so that uh, as an audience member... I do have a little bit of destruction fatigue. Yes. Just in terms of like watching cities get fucking obliterated because I think there's that idea of like, oh, but you know the effects it looks really cool, but I think audiences now go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we know you can do all that. We know you can do all that." But then just watching watching cities in film after film after film after film just get leveled like I it, I, I don't know and you know maybe it's maybe it's in a post 9/11 world or I don't know what it is, but there's something where I feel a little like Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think
2: Man of Steel and, and, and Into Darkness this summer was sort of the one-two punch where audiences went, wait a minute.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I don't know if it's a 9-11 thing necessarily, but I do think it's a, yeah, I get it. The debris sims look really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and believe me, we had plenty of debris sims in, uh, in, uh, in Avengers. Um, but it, it, we knew we had hoped, and it turned out to be right that Hulk punching Thor and Hulk smashing Loki <laughs> are, the, are the most mem- are much more memorable than uh, than look of the way that Leviathan crashed into the roof right yeah. um, so we, we put a lot of focus on that and, and when people see uh, uh, I hope people go see Thor the Dark World in a few weeks the, i won 't give away the finale of course, but it is much more about um, uh, sort of individuals than it is about uh, destruction.
0: How do you stay connected with your audiences, like in terms of how how active are you personally online and forums? And are you, li- are, you know. How
1: much are you on MySpace?
0: <laughs> I'm on MySpace every day. <laughs> oh, no, Kevin. Every, what? No. <laughs> it's, your ba- it's your band, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Uh, look, it gets to be sort of a, a drone or cacophony, but it's. I read enough of it. I never. Participate in it? No, you can't. No, but uh, but it's uh, but I've just it's just been part of my r- daily routine going back to reading. Is Kenneth Branagh going to be Obi Wan Kenobi in, uh, yeah. in uh, Star Wars Episode One, uh, which was one of the first rumors I remember learning, thinking was a scoop on, on a, probably <laughs> in a a cool scoop. in '98. Um, no, probably '97 or something when they were That's before for they yeah. were casting. I'm old.
0: <laughs> um, we're the same age. Uh,
2: so so that is just part of the daily thing to to read and, and look at it. Um, I would not say it. It influences us. It can help, if we. It can help tilt us one side or the other. If we're on the fence about something, which we're not a lot, but sometimes are. Um, but you go crazy if you read. If you read all of
0: it. Well, and also yeah. because this is
2: great. This is horrible. This is great. This. Well, there's yeah, always gonna. Saying. There's yeah. always gonna be. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, especially you know with these these Marvel films, which have essentially grossed like eight and a half billion dollars, some some crazy number like that. That, you know, you are now, does it feel, do you feel weird or pressure in the sense of um, you're sort of at the top of this pyramid and there are expectations? I, I interviewed George Lucas for something and off camera he was very, you know, like, hey, you know, he had stories and he was very, you know, and on camera he just got very guarded. And I, what I realized was, oh yeah, because all this stuff is bigger than him And every time he opens his mouth, he is immediately going to divide people. And half the people are going to be like, that's brilliant. You're the creator. The other half of people are like, how dare you? So how do you, you know,
2: like... I don't think we're... I I think Star Wars is a religion, of which I'm a follower. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we're a religion yet, necessarily. (laughs) Um, And I think we have as many fans that are relatively new, you know, going back to Iron Man 2008, as we do fans that have been complete loyal readers of the comics for decades and decades and decades so i i do think you know a little thing is we we were we were um finishing prep on the first captain america film and uh, uh we were doing the final costume test of uh of his final look in the in which we always wanted to be world war ii-ish but also red white and blue in captain america and and ryan minervaing uh, one of our head um uh, visual designers um, who if you look at the art of books is all over it and is a genius and, and it works in house here for us um, and had, had drawn and, and co-designed many of those those costumes um, had, is a big geek himself and had bought like for 300 bucks at some comic con a reproduction of Captain America's shield and it was a comic version of the shield you know the one Colbert has on his yeah, uh, thing yeah. it was <laughs> like, like that one and that was the one that we had Evans holding in the costume test. And we screened the final version of the of the of the costume test in a screening room afterwards. And we all looked at each other like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Costume looks great. And I said, all right, when, when do we get the new shield? And Joe and everybody said, what do you mean? We'll just use that. And I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can't just use that because, A, it didn't look good against the costume. But, B, I think people expect – I think people go, oh, I wonder how they're going to adapt this to this big screen. I wonder what little tweaks they'll make. To have it hold up on the on the big screen, so we had Ryan do a version of the shield that had more plating and some more cut lines on it, which is the shield that's in uh, uh, all the movies now. Um, but I do think people expect us to to alter things a little bit, just a bit, and they trust us. I hope that we're not just altering it for no reason. As is some. Does Wolverine have to have crazy hair like that? Which
0: were discussions early on <laughs> on,
1: on X Men One. Maybe uh, a cigarette and not a cigar. I don't know. I don't know. We just need to make something.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's important that. You know, especially – and this is kind of a different – I feel like this is a different media landscape in the sense that, you know, I always say that the thing that um, – I, I think one of the positives about Nerdist is that we're in the demographic of the stuff we're making. You are definitely in the demographic of – like, you're a fan, you know, you uh, have this encyclopedic knowledge of comics and the things that you work on and and, and you seem to yeah. be – more, more movies than comics, but but – but yeah, I mean that's sort of the the team here and, and I think that's part
2: of uh uh you know, the small team we've developed here. Most most of my team have been here for for 8 or 9 or 10 years, started as assistants, started as I did, um and 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 frankly put up had been putting up with a lot of stuff we put up with for a long time because we wanted to make these movies. Mm-hmm. Um and it was and it was never about the the money. It was it was, you know, the, you know, Marvel saying, "Hey, or going back to Fox or to Avi or to uh, Lawrence Schiller Donner, saying, you know, you want to go move to Toronto for eight months and uh, uh, live in the snow and uh, shoot a movie fifteen hours a day. Hell yes, I did mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> and that enthusiasm is what you have to keep going. Otherwise, why be in this be in this business? So a lot of it is what do we think is cool? What do we think is funny? Uh, and we didn't know if other people would agree with us until until the first few movies worked. Um, and now that is how we do it. But we also do. We don't do big uh, test screenings, but we do small sort of friends and family screenings, um, and can tell if something if something fumbles. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, ju- be nice you'll adjust better, it. Yeah. yeah, so you have to you have to pay attention to the audience, and and ultimately the best filmmakers that I've worked with, and what I've tried to to maintain myself is this sense of Sam Raimi used to always describe everything when he was pitching a scene or pitching a shot or pitching a moment. It all was. With the end result of what he wanted the audience to feel in this moment. What he wanted, how he wanted the audience to react to this shot or to this sequence or to this storyline. And I thought, well, of course, because that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. What we think is neat, all that matters is when those lights go down and the movie starts playing at the Cinerama Dome when people cut school to go see the, the trilogy. <laughs> you know that? And, and I really, and, or, or when they wait in line for 100 hours for Phantom Menace in, uh, in, uh, at the Chinese theater. Which I didn't do, but I had friends that did. Yeah, Um, and and uh, and, uh, uh, you know, there's a. I think there's a kind of a silly word, but a purity to that, to knowing that every joke or every shot or every uh, uh, twist or moment is about how this is what we want the. If I were going to see this movie fresh, this is
0: how I would want to feel in this in this beat. Which is important because, especially as you know, um, there are a lot of movies that get released now where you go. Oh well, I, I probably didn't need to see that in a theater. You guys could have just right. watched that on right. the, the TV. Like the the idea that the the experience of going to the cinema, especially as people get lazier and media becomes more convenient, is a really fucking big deal to get people to leave their houses, park their cars, yes. and pay extra money yes. to go sit in a theater. Is that you, you know you guys are sort of you're kind of immune to that in a way because it, the scope of what you're making. It, you kind of feel like a dipshit if you don't see it in the theater Because yeah. like, well, I have to see You need to see every little piece And you need to see that, that kind of stuff on a big I think screen. that's true
2: And I think it's, you know, I think it's becoming uh, I think there's the, the, the whole spoiler factor Also gets people <laughs> into the theater soon So they can see something before it, it gets spoiled for them yeah. um, But you look at, I've not seen it yet But you look at the success of Gravity mm-hmm. Which is based purely on The reviews obviously being so good And saying, you have to go, this is an experience Get in your car, drive to a big IMAX, and why the IMAX numbers and the 3D numbers on that movie are bigger than usual. um, Because people want to go experience
0: things. Well, yeah, I haven't seen Gravity yet, but I really really do want to see it. do seem to to love it. But it is also in, um, you know, you also have the task of, that film might be incredibly engaging, but how do you convey that? Like, then there's the whole marketing of a film, which is a whole separate animal that I, I don't fully understand. Well, we have, you know, we're now on the Disney
2: lot for my second day here in the Disney lot. Right across the parking lot there is the marketing department. That's one of the great reasons uh, that we're here, because now instead of driving from Burbank to Manhattan Beach, I can just walk across the street and see the poster development, the trailer development. And they're very, very good. And again, that also comes with the confidence of marketing the movie, not hiding. Thor takes place on a bunch of weird, different worlds. Guardians of the Galaxy has trees and raccoons. You can't hide from that necessarily. So, what's the best way to embrace that and get audience members who might go, "What? A tree raccoon?" into that, uh, into that storyline, and they and they're very good. The first two movies that they've marketed and distributed for us was was Avengers and Iron
1: Man three. So they're oh, they're off to
2: a good yeah. a good start.
1: You you talked about like when the you know, the movies that you said that you made that didn't really hit. and You were able to kind of blame. Because you had a, like a more of a, like a parent company thing going on, as opposed to doing it independently. But now you're part of this huge like you know conglomerate of a company, um, and you. But you still said you're you're independent within it. Like what's like?
2: Uh, well, it, it. I don't know about blame necessarily, but it, but it is yeah. And it wasn't Harley, parent co- it wasn't even parent companies back then. It was you know Fox got the rights from. We were the IP holders is uh, another way to put it okay. back in back in the day. Um, uh, you know, when when the Disney uh, purchase was happening, uh, it was very clear that it was it was happening because of the movies we had made, and because the trust they had that we'd be able to continue making those kind of movies. And they always said, "If it's not broke, we're not going to fix it." And it very similar to Pixar. We'd met with some of the. With John Lasseter and said, "So what was it like? Did they change oh, yeah, everything?" Yeah, yeah. And they were like, "No, they were very honest." And they've been and, really smart about that. Yeah, when when that's when let really cool. people do sort of what yeah, they, yeah. what they've been doing. Uh, if any of the movies don't work, you know that'll probably be a different story yeah. in the future. But for the time being, um, uh, it's it's
0: very very positive. Well, that's very supportive. Really cool. That's why yeah. some, like, when like when the when the Lucasfilm thing happened and then people were like you know i got a ton of tweets like how how do you feel about this is this the worst thing and i'm like why would this be the worst thing you know you look at pixar marvel the muppets like anything that they've absorbed besides the fact that star wars already has integration at the parks and they really but and and you need something with an infrastructure that size to take on ip that size but the idea that they've come in and kind of let each thing be its own voice i feel like they've done a pretty good job with it. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not worried about the Star Wars franchise at all. No, I mean, I think, you know, certainly they
2: showed it with Pixar. They've proven it with with uh, with us that uh, they're very, very smart. And then very, very additive because there are smart people that run the studio here and incredible people that market and distribute it. So it's yeah. it was a win-win for us. And, and they're all, if you have somebody that this is a, uh, they were 100% behind it. And when you get down to the, to the, to the uh, executives whose job it is to make a trailer, make a poster, they were always 100% behind it at Paramount, at all the studios we worked with. But there's a difference between the head of the company saying, this is the most important thing behind our studio sure. right now, and this is one of five important things
0: behind our studio <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, it, and it also, as we're kind of winding this down, this, I'm, I'm going to start pushing this uh, on the podcast a lot to the Internet, which is I know that our brains are asked to process a lot of data every day, And so it's very easy to form quick judgments based on no information. But, as a lover of things, I really beg people to review... I I beg people to view and then review. View something (laughs) and then review it. Yeah. You know? Is Ben Affleck a great Batman? I'll find out when I see it. Exactly. How about that?
1: I, exactly. hate, I hate it when I see someone like see someone tweeting like um, like like really digging this movie, and I go digging, and then like they tweet about it again. Never mind, it just took a turn. I go, You're not even <laughs> fucking paying attention. Just fucking to listen, man. watch the goddamn yeah. movie. Yes. Don't like, tweet during things. Yeah. I, I also hate immediate reviews upon like I like. Um, I like to let a movie sit in me after sure. a bit. like So I don't like immediately, when, right when the lights go up, just go, oh, did you, could you, you know, like I, I stopped going to movie with a bunch of friends because of that. I totally get that. Yeah, I'd rather let it sit
0: because and go, I, you
1: know what, I had a good time. how I'm many gonna... times
0: have you seen a movie and then your reaction maybe wasn't necessarily like, holy shit, that was, that just changed my worldview. But Four days later, you're still thinking about it, yeah. and like, wow, it's, you know, well, I, one of the reasons I love
2: movies and want to and, and wanted to make them is because they last forever, mm-hmm. right? If, if you preserve them, and if you, uh, but, and yes, the most important thing are those first few weeks, and and are you going to make enough money so you can make another one, <laughs> which is uh, which is my whole goal. Uh, but you look back, and I was just reading about somebody tweeted um, recently an initial line. Uh, from the Time Magazine, I think it was Time Magazine review of Vertigo. <laughs> it was like, oh, Hitchcock's, uh, you know, got the TV bug. He's done too many of those TV shows. This uh, is just like a TV thing. Um, I lo- or, or the initial reviews for Wizard of Oz or something. So, so always know that that it's. You know, films can are going to hopefully have a long just
0: history. Just yeah. yeah. What is a color movie? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so bright. Uh, I <laughs> like the so first part. Black yeah. and whites here to stay. Oh, too
1: much. If I
0: want to see color, I'll go out in real life. Yeah, <laughs> but that's
2: what's fun. And, and yes, all that matters is the initial is that initial release to know whether it gets labeled a, a success or failure. But as time goes on, people start to discover things later. You know, one of my fears about the the media as it is today is. That movies won't people won't be forced to review movies they may may not have liked the first time, right? Wizard of Oz became a classic because there were three channels, yeah, and one of those channels started showing Wizard of Oz every year, and people started watching it. And other generations started watching it. Nowadays, you have which of these ten thousand movies on Netflix should I watch? Yeah. You
0: know what though? I really do, and maybe maybe I'm naive to say this, but I really do believe that. Quality will be found or rise to the top true. in some way because, true. you know, whereas we don't necessarily have the one of the three channels during Wizard of Oz over and over again, you will have someone somewhere, something's good enough that will be passionate, that will spread like word of mouth. It's essentially right. crowdsourced networking now. That's right. But I do really believe that good things will find their audience. Well, I think that's true. And that's how
2: a show on a tiny cable network, uh, you know, eight years later can have 10 million people watch the finale because <laughs> of the quality. Yes. Yeah. In The Walking Dead, by the way, which I've just started to watch, I, I'm so behind on that. Oh yeah. I'm now in like third episode of season two. Yeah.
0: But my goal is to catch up so I can. Enjoy okay, so your you're talking you're, you're in third episode of <laughs> season two. So right now you're still on the farm. Uh, yes. Oh, the, yes. Takes a a we're still close it's to being it. done. Yeah, um, the farm. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're on the farm. It's gonna <laughs> oh, really? it's gonna feel yeah. like it like it's a couple episodes where it's a little this. slow. Yeah. Yeah. That was the transition between Darabont and Mazara, but I promise you, it like after a couple episodes, of season two. It totally. Then People you're like told Jesus, and so it, and then it, and then it goes. So you, you'll yeah, be fine. You'll be good. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're coming back for that too. But. I was with Rooker
2: uh, the other day on, on set because he he plays a character called Yondu in the movie, and I was saying I'm just starting Walking Dead, and he like couldn't fathom it. I'm like, <laughs> what, you haven't watched every one. I've so never you're watching met, it again. I've never yes. met
0: somebody like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and also I admire the fact that uh, one weird thing that I actually think about is. Why don't watch Walking Dead or Breaking Bad ahead of when it airs more than like uh, you know hopefully a handful of hours? Because there's so much there's so much knowledge in your brain that you can't really share with anyone, and that would drive me crazy as a fan of things. <laughs>
1: that would,
0: I got the Breaking Bad finale two days before it came out, and I held it until the last possible minute on the Sunday that it aired because I can't sit with it. Yep, yep and you yeah. have to. That is a whole separate power of keeping it in there and not
2: shooting it out onto the world part of that is because you don't want to spoil it and part of that is because things change so much god forbid you Announced at Comic Con 2006 that the Mandarin is the villain and, and Iron
0: Man One, uh, yeah. because that's that's what would happen. because we keep we keep adjusting? Well, yeah. um, thanks for being here. And this and, was awesome. And maybe I could talk you into. Sh- I missed the Ant Man footage, the test footage from Comic Con that we'll year. We'll go show it to you now. <gasps> oh my god, yeah, sweet. So, uh, oh yeah. So, so Thor Two coming out. Cat yes. Two next year. Yes. And um um and we'll post all the date stuff at the beginning Wonderful. of the podcast. But it was so lovely. Thank to you sit, so you much, know, guys. Every time
2: we oh, no, out, no, I've, no, always, I've always, I've yeah. always. Yeah. The only bummer is I won't be able to listen, because I never like listening to myself talk. (laughs) You'll
1: have have to take this week off. You'll skip this one. Yes,
2: yes. You'll totally
0: skip this one. Uh, Cool. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. And remember, view and then review. Damn it.
1: Make the shirt. (laughs) That's the thing. Get that bummer sticker started. Here I come, (laughs) T-Fury.
0: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. (laughs) This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 700,000 high-quality video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code NERDIST11. Nerdist and the number 11.
1: This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil